Welcome back to the Pandemic Podcast. On today's episode, I will be discussing ways in which the Canadian government can help stop the spread of COVID-19. I will also be talking about how the Canadian government must also consider socioeconomic inequalities, systemic discrimination, and physical and mental harm, and they must be certain that individual human rights are not sacrificed for the economic benefit of others. Okay, let's get into it. On December 31st, 2019, China informed the the World Health Organization of an outbreak of pneumonia of unknown etiology in the city of Wuhan. The cause of this infection was later identified as the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The outbreak was declared a public emergency of international concern by the WHO on January 31st, 2020. The illness was named COVID-19 on February 11th, 2020, and a pandemic was declared on March 11th, 2020. In response to the confirmation of the outbreak in China, the Public Health Agency of Canada, or the PHAC, activated its emergency operations center on January 15th, 2020. The first case of COVID in Canada was reported on in Ontario on January 25th, 2020. The goal of Canada's COVID-19 pandemic response and recovery was identified as minimizing all serious illness and death, limiting societal disruption, and reducing the burden on healthcare resources. The PHAC responsibilities with respect to infectious disease outbreaks cover a range of activities from prevention to preparedness, response, and recovery. The current response has resulted in a number of extreme and unprecedented steps being taken to slow the spread of the virus with a view to also reducing the economic damage the pandemic might cause in the immediate term. There are differing views on the ways to address COVID without reproducing socioeconomic inequalities and discrimination. And that will, while some people support those objectives, there are also others who are more concerned with maximizing their own economic benefits. It seems clear that the decision must be made in a way that ensures the potential for increased safety is not overshadowed by threats of further inequalities in socioeconomic discriminations. I believe to accomplish these goals, the Canadian government must continue taking unprecedented action and respond to the outbreak that has affected many aspects of our day-to-day life. In order to stop or even slow an uptick of COVID cases and related deaths in Canada, this response should include the following. Surveillance and contact tracing, testing and providing emergency supplies to the provinces and territories, as well as Uh, as unprecedented border closures, stay-at-home and quarantine initiatives, and closures of schools, private businesses, and organizations that are not deemed essential. Over the last year, these steps have shown the influence these actions can have on the social determinants of health, as well as the strengths and weaknesses of existing government and social structures. The available information shows that these efforts clearly had success in flattening the curve. During the first and second waves, 
However, these actions have also affected the economic and social well-being of the country. For example, Canada's economy has has had a decrease in gross domestic production of 15 to 30 percent through the second quarter of 2020, and the unemployment rate was 13.7 percent in May 2020, which was up from 5.6 in February 2020. A full economic recovery in Canada has been projected to take until at least mid-2020, and many projections suggest that it could take much longer. I believe that it is important to look back at the previous efforts and actions that were taken to flatten the curve and learn from them. This will allow us to see what has and hasn't been successful and develop responses that can can be improved going forward. It is equally important to review the actions which have been taken and study the influence and effects they have had on Canadian society and the economy. In this way, governments and responders can be better prepared for the future and can also take steps to address and reduce social inequalities, various forms of systemic prejudice, and discrimination. As noted in my podcast, podcast introductory, Today I will be focusing on the methods which have been used to flatten the curve and reduce COVID-related deaths in Canada. These methods can include but are not limited to surveillance and contact tracing, the use and supply of personal protective equipment or PPEs, COVID testing, and finally the stay-at-home order. The first method of COVID protection that I will be discussing is contact tracing. This is being considered to be a cornerstone of epidemiology and foundational to Canada's COVID-19 control strategy. Contact tracing is the process of identifying, assessing, and managing people who have been exposed to the disease in order to prevent further transmission. When systematically applied, contact tracing can break the chains of transmission of COVID-19, and it is likely an essential public health tool for controlling the virus. Contact tracing for COVID-19 requires identifying people who may have been exposed to COVID-19 and following up with them daily for 14 days from the last point of exposure. At the beginning of the pandemic, local and provincial authorities were challenged by, among other things, their lack of human resources to implement large-scale contact tracing in response to the amount of testing being conducted. As a result, they required voluntary assistance from people like students in the healthcare disciplines and retired health professionals, thereby limiting the capacity to meet core performance expectations. While the demand for the services was exceptional, it also highlights the need for the public health system to prepare for such catastrophic catastrophic events by having rapid access to pools of trained personnel with skills and competencies necessary to undertake this important and vital activity. Going forward, forward, it is important for the Canadian government to put more focus and resources into the process of contact tracing to ensure that it is utilized and made as effective as possible. Another method I will review is personal protective equipment, or PPEs. Within the healthcare system, an emphasis was placed on infection control measures, such as the use of PPEs in regular cleaning and sanitizing. This emphasis affected the availability of certain materials in Canada, resulting in shortages of gloves, masks, hand sanitizer, and other materials that had been easily obtained previously from international sources. 
Shortages of these materials were exacerbated as recommendations were made concerning the use of masks, gloves, and hand sanitizer for the general public, in addition to the ongoing recommendations for physical distancing and hand washing. Eventually, supply chains were able to adjust and improve to the supply of masks and gloves for international international sources. The sudden and immediate demand coupled with the limited supplies of domestically produced masks and other PPE clearly points to the need to support further development of Canadian supplies for such products. The third method used to flatten the curve I will review is COVID-19 testing and guidelines. In early 2020, there was a series of backlogs in testing due to the magnitude of the pandemic, the need to develop new methodologies, a subsequent shortage of testing kits, delays in planning for and or conducting the testing, and limited analytical capacity. The effect of these challenges was that public health authorities focused on testing those who were ill, with limited rollout of testing to those without symptoms. Within the benefit of hindsight, I'd suggest that moving forward, there should be an emphasis on testing as many people as possible and not just those who are experiencing symptoms of COVID. As well, we have come to realize there is sometimes a period of time where those who are have already been uh, in contact with COVID do not show any signs or symptoms of this disease. These individuals can still carry and transmit the virus to other segments of population. The final method of COVID precautions I will consider is the stay-at-home order or strategic shutdowns. As noted, people suffering from COVID-19 don't always show symptoms right away or at all, and that is why it is important for people to avoid going out in public and risk infecting those around them or becoming infected themselves. Google has created a tracking system that shows a correlation between countries with high shutdown rates overall and the number of COVID cases they experience. According to a Google study, countries who who had strict shutdown orders and shut down by 80 to 100%, meaning the citizens were only leaving their homes for essential purposes, showed a direct correlation to the decline of COVID infection rates. However, such lockdowns only work in proportion to public compliance and if they are followed to an effective length. One only has to look at the United States where they only shut down by 39%. Even with limited compliance in some places, the U.S. still had some success at flattening the curve. In states where businesses closed and state governments issued stay-at-home orders, later research concluded those lockdowns measures helped prevent tens of millions of COVID cases. However, other states failed to take advantage of that window to ramp up its virus testing and tracing capabilities. In many states quickly also faced intense public pressure to relax strict policies in order to reduce some of the, the economic costs of the shutdowns. Reopening began earlier than public health experts believed it should. The political will to impose new lockdowns had evaporated by the time cases spiked again. As noted, in light of the various threats posed by catastrophes like COVID-19, governments must improve pandemic prevention measures. However, no matter what side of the question one is on with respect to lockdowns, it is clear that in trying to control health risks, governments must also consider socioeconomic inequalities, systemic discrimination, and physical and mental harm. 
and be certain that individual human rights are not sacrificed for the economic benefit of others. Thank you for listening to the Pandemic Podcast. Episode 3 will be dropping shortly. See you later.